cyber attacks have long been a problem, but they've made big headlines this year when they affected government agencies and even cut into the supply of essential needs like gas. So just how bad was it? I'm Roger Chang, this is your Daily Charge. Joining me to discuss this is our resident cybersecurity expert, Bree Fowler. Welcome, Bree. Thanks for having me. So from an overall level, how bad were things from a cybersecurity perspective in 2021 versus previous years? Well, it's really hard to tell. I mean, there definitely were some big attacks this past year, but, um, you know, it, a lot of attacks just are never reported. It, it's really hard to do year-over-year comparisons. So in, in your opinion, what was the biggest cybersecurity headline of the year? The big headline this year was definitely ransomware. Uh, ransomware attacks have evolved in recent years. They've gotten bigger and badder, and cyber criminals are collecting millions as a result. Yeah, and obviously the, the Colonial Pipeline and JBS attacks were the two big notable ones because they actually had some big real-world implications. I know that happened earlier in the year, so if you could just give us a quick refresh on what happened in both instances. Well, in both instances, there were failures that allowed the companies to uh, become infected with ransomware and to be shut down, and these criminals knew exactly what they were doing. And in both cases, the companies had to pay millions in ransom to get their data back. But even the fact that they did pay didn't stop their production from being shut down. Uh, Colonial Pipeline, there were gas shortages on the East Coast. I mean, mainly stemming from a run, a run on gas, but still. And then also with JBS, you know, there, there were worries about meat shortages in a lot of the country. Right. And I remember the gas shortage in particular because folks were, were being very vocal about how you shouldn't try to hoard gas because there were actually, I remember seeing news clips of folks trying to, you know, store gas in like tubs or something uh, in the in the run up. So obviously some some big, big uh, impact from uh, from ransomware. I'm, I'm curious how prevalent ransomware has gotten over the years. I mean, it's not something you heard of just a few years ago, but now it seems like it's everywhere. Well, ransomware has been around for a long time. But the thing is, a few years ago, you know, you're talking about largely junk malware that's floating around the Internet and if your neighbor was running an old Windows PC that hadn't been updated, maybe they would get locked up. Um, you know, and it, it seems like they were always asking for $500, whether you were a company, a hospital, or just some guy down the street. Now, it, it's not the script kiddies. It's people who know what they're doing. They're doing their homework. They're penetrating the systems of these companies, you know, where they know exactly how much these companies have, you know, they, they've seen the payroll. <laughs> so they know how much to ask for. And, you know, if they don't pay up, then a lot of problems can, can occur. Yeah. And I, and I know that the, the government has, you know, officially recommended that you don't pay ransomware, that, that, Obviously, that, that doesn't happen. People do pay. But uh, the U.S. Treasury Department actually took some action there. Like, what did it do? What it did is that it said it, it would start sanctioning uh, banks, financial institutions, crypto exchanges that do business um, and that facilitate ransomware. Um, you know, whether this is effective or not is open to debate. A lot of these exchanges are kind of shady and they're overseas. I mean, the, the one that they've cracked down on so far um, but, it, you know, at least it shows that the government is aware that, that this is a big problem and it's just going to get worse. 
Right. And switching gears, uh, talking about Apple, because Apple had to deal with its own privacy and cybersecurity issue. Can you talk a little bit about what went on there? Sure. Uh, Apple had to deal with Pegasus, which was this huge headline-grabbing cyber attack against Apple devices, where you know um, this, this software that made by an Israeli firm was being used by you know possibly malicious third parties. We're not quite sure who to you know tap into the phones of people like human rights activists and government officials and journalists, and and that's frightening. Um, you know, Apple had to scramble to patch this, and it, it was a black eye for a company that, whether it deserved it or not, had a reputation previous to that of being, you know, just immune from viruses and malware. Right, right. They've, they've used privacy and cybersecurity as selling points, right, for their products, right? You, you buy our stuff and, you know, we protect you. We don't sell your information. That was definitely... Uh, bit of a, an issue there. Uh, also wanted to talk about their their plans, their, I guess, scuttled or delayed plans to scan devices for images of child exploitation. That was that that brought up a whole debate about sort of privacy and what you own your device, right? Right. I mean, obviously, no one wants people to pass around images of child exploitation. No one, no one likes kids to be hurt or exploited. But at the same time, does an average person, you know, if, if your device is your device, should Apple be able to see what's on it after you pay for it and it's yours? Um, there, there's, and it, and it does mark, you know, a split from what Apple has said before. You know, it went to bat with the FBI over privacy and encryption and, you know, making sure that its devices are safe. And to do something like this, a lot of people found it very hypocritical. Right. And then in the end, they ultimately backed down, but then they got criticism for folks who were proponents of this uh, system to, you know, to combat child exploitation. So it was sort of a no-win situation for Apple. Uh, Want to talk about also sort of a number of big data breaches that happened this year. What were some of the more notable attacks that we saw? Well, things like T-Mobile, where, you know, it's happened to them before. It's a lot of consumer information, but also, you know, retailers like Neiman Marcus, and then you have GoDaddy, uh, McDonald's in some parts of the world, and even California Pizza Kitchen, you know, there were social security numbers of past and present employees that were compromised. I think a lot of people have reach fatigue at this point, though. The, the breaches just keep piling up. People are so used to it now that it, it just doesn't even seem like a big deal anymore. Yeah, I, I remember years past when we had a number of these big ones, and it, it seemed like it, the shock value was still there. But at this point, I think, is it safe to just assume that your information is probably out there already? Yeah, I mean, that's what I would say about credit cards. They're disposable. It is the most replaceable part of your identity. I think... You know, even my mom doesn't freak out about her number being stolen anymore because we're so used to it. You know, you have to go reset all your auto pays and and deal with that. But, you know, people aren't traumatized by that as much as they used to. Now, things like, you know, your social security number and you know, even your name and address, you know, things that cannot be changed. Your mother's maiden name. These are key identifiers that can be used against you down the road. Yeah, yeah, and, and just 
I guess to wrap things up, like, are there any other tips on how to protect yourself, especially knowing that a lot of your information is probably floating out there? Um, I definitely recommend credit freezes for anyone that isn't using their credit uh, all the time. Um, and especially do it for your kids too, because, you know, my seven year old will not be applying for a mortgage anytime soon. Um, it, it's good to have that locked down because people do target children, um, when it comes to identity theft and financial fraud. Um, yes, it's a pain to get it unlocked and do not lose that pin, whatever you do. But, you know, these are always, um, you know, it's always a strong move if you don't plan on taking out a loan or, you know, getting any kind of uh, credit anytime soon. Good advice. It's something I hadn't even thought of. Well, Breed, thanks for your time. You can check out her story and review of the year in cybersecurity on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. Sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.